All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is our audio podcast. And in this episode, this is kind of a a little extra episode where we're going to be diving into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We tend to like to explore or give, I suppose, offer a spoiled filled review of Marvel films. The last movie we did was Black Panther Wakanda Forever, where we kind of discuss about you know, our problems with that movie, also our problems with the Marvel, I guess, phase four at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we skipped Ant-Man and Quantumania, or Ant-Man and the Wasp oh, Quantumania, because- uh, That could have uh, went on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we didn't, I mean, me and Rich didn't get the chance to watch it until it came out on Disney Plus. By choice. By choice, yeah. please. <laughs> and, you know, it, at, at, that, at that point, we kind of were fed up by Marvel and MCU and maybe even comic book movies in general. But this came around, volume three, we saw the trailers. And even though we had like, uh, uh, you know, our worries, our fears. Yeah, I went, I went into this movie really not knowing if I was going to like it. I, the trailers never really 100% sold me on it. And I was surprised I ended up loving it as much as I did. Yeah, me yeah, too. You went, back to, you went back to see it three, three, two more times, right? Yeah, it's true for real. <laughs> and it's a movie that I probably would want to see it a, a couple of times uh, in, in theaters, but most likely I'm just going to wait until it comes out in <laughs> Disney Plus or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, for, I keep on forgetting <laughs> this. Uh, my, name is, yeah, my name is Mike, uh, we're, and I'm here with the Movie Brothers. I'm, <laughs> no, <laughs> we're AKA no, the I, Movie I, Brothers. I, I'm, no I'm still pitching that. that. No, so my name is Mike. I'm here with my two brothers, Richard. And Raymond, and what what we are, we're kind of uh, amateur cinema cinema files or cinema or fan addicts or whatever. And we like to talk about movies. We also like to talk about TV, but mostly we're mostly we're kind of lean into movie stuff. And in this episode, we're going, you know, like I was saying, we're going to talk about Guardians. But I I want I want to also talk about the director, the guy behind this franchise, the Guardians franchise, James Gunn. Because here's also a guy who, you know, when he started it out, I didn't really think he was going to, you know, become this proficient and, and, and really become one of the most uh, leading uh, filmmakers of, of superhero movies. I mean, I think there's no one working today does this type of genre better. And I don't, I don't know, what, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, is James Gunn like probably the best kind of superhero movie director right now? Certainly, from the past ten, uh, ten years, I mean, ever since Gar- the first Guardians, uh, I, I was impressed so much that I was, I, I was, you know, I, uh, um, from that point on, I was, you know, uh, you know, considering him to be, um, I had a, had the greatest potential to be a good one, and uh, so far, um, most of his work has been, you know. Of course, subpar, but mm-hmm. but not that much. I mean, not by much on on some some levels. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, I didn't like as much. Of course, mm-hmm. Suic- the, the Suicide Squad, I really enjoyed, and um, the Peacemaker series on HBO or Max mm-hmm. was really good. <laughs> I I, did, I was super impressed by that, and uh, of course the the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special was next. And that's okay. I mean, that was fine. That was, it's only you know a half hour special. It's it's a typical holiday special. I, and it was I li- good. I it liked was, it. It was decent. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I mean, I think it fits well in this kind of franchise or this kind of um, milieu of what he does. You know, he there is a you know he you know 
Gunn has like kind of carved out this kind of specific little, you know, corner of the MCU for himself. And, mm-hmm. and I think all the films that, you know, is related to that feels, feels like the same kind of vibe. Um, Raymond, you, you being a big horror fan, you know, here's James Gunn. He starts, he has his roots in horror and now he's like this big time superhero uh, filmmaker. Is that something you would like to have seen? You know, like would you would like to have this? I mean, I suppose like is he turning his back on horror? Or I guess, or is it just part of his natural progression? Or, or what's your thoughts on on that? Oh, that's that's interesting. Um, I don't think he's necessarily abandoning horror because there's still um, there was comedic elements in all his horror stuff, and. Um, all, all, uh, not all of his comic book movies, but like you know, definitely like the Suicide Squad was uh, pretty, pretty gruesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was you know violent and gory, and maybe not scary, but it, it, it did have uh, certain elements that you could associate with horror. So I don't know. It's, it just feels true to him. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, because even though he started with some horror movies like Slither, was his kind of uh, I think it was his feature film debut or his directorial debut. Uh, he did uh, write the the Dawn of the Dead remake and for Zack Snyder. He did also write Scooby Doo around the same time, but he also started. But he also started with Tromeo and Juliet. But uh, around that same time, he also did the specials, which this which was was this indie comedy uh, set in the world of superheroes. And so it's yeah, I guess it was a kind of this is him. You know, he is someone in between these two worlds, superheroes and horror. And maybe they are more co- in common than we we think. Uh, uh, something I didn't see Brightburn, which is right. a, a, a movie that c- combines those two elements. But he, it's a movie that he produced. Uh, but I, I'm not I'm not sure if that worked or. I don't know, Raymond, did you see Brightburn? Yeah, it's kind of like a darker Man of Steel. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Man of Steel is pretty dark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it, it and it combines both of those two worlds, right? Horror and 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 superhero stuff. Definitely, yeah, but, but I think you know, definitely, like you know, there there was a time where there was a lot of people that would go to, you know, rock shows and collect read comics and stuff like that, and that's kind of you know the the world uh, James Gunn you know probably grew up in, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, comic book conventions kind of coincide with horror conventions. There were sometimes in the same convention. I wonder if that kind of is splitting now. I think as, as horror become more f- uh, prominent in the in the culture, is it is there going to be is there a split now with superhero stuff? Is is that is superhero more considered mainstream now? And horror is now kind of the the go to you know uh, uh, you know subculture or something. I don't know. Well, okay, then uh, uh, well, let me just give you my thoughts about James Gunn after watching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three because. Like you, I, uh, you know, I was like not a super fan of James Gunn's earlier work. I did appreciate Sl- Slitter. I think, uh, I think Dawn of the Dead, uh, his screenplay was pretty dope. Um, but you know, he really came to prominence with the Guardians in the Galaxy films, and mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the first one. Uh, I think Volume Two suffers from um, what's it called? Uh, uh, sequel-itis, you know, because it kind of follows the same. It's like basically the same movie, but like with a bigger scope. And although I guess Volume Two deals with 
fathers. You know, that's the kind of the, the subtext there. Yeah, I, w- I would argue that volume two actually has a better kind of story than volume one. It's just that volume one has, you know, getting the team together, mm-hmm. which was so special. And, um, but I mean, you know, the stuff with Ego, um, Star Lord's dad, and all that, that, that stuff was great. And, um, the introduction of Mantis, all that stuff worked. But, um, I mean, Ronin wasn't that cool (laughs) in the first movie. It was really in the first movie, it was like getting the team together and how they all, you know, learned to work together. And that stuff was great. And, and the collector, I mean, the collector was very, uh, memorable character <laughs> benicio de toro's performance is awesome in in the in yeah. guardians well you know to to i don't know uh, uh defend uh <laughs> was it uh, ronin the conqueror ronin the ronin the destroyer or destroyer or, 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 um, uh, that's drax right drax destroyer oh, ronin, uh, the, con- the accuser the accuser okay so that that's was played it? by something like that <laughs> whatever it is he he is played by lee pace who's a, a pretty decent actor i think Mm-hmm. I, I think it it was playing up to a, a like a satire character, you know. Um, yeah, he's not like, you know. I think what didn't work for that part or for that it was just the kind of the, the design of the character. It kind of looked lame, lame. But I think it it works in a in a, in a way that it's a spoof or is a satire of a supervillain. He is supposed to be <laughs> kind of a, and he's you know like like a lot of the characters in Guardians. He is an egomaniac. Um, you know, with Falling 2, I think it, I like that they went more personal. It, it dealt with fathers and sons with everyone involved. I think even like Thanto's playing a part in, in the Gomorrah's, you know, and, and, uh, oh, yeah, he Nebulous. even had a cameo in the movie, uh, uh Thanos in the uh, Guardians, uh, episode one, I guess. Or was it two? No, it was Valiant one. Oh, okay, okay. We see him, we see, we see him in the throne. It's, I think, the only time that we see him in this throne, right? Oh, well, okay. yeah, it's the uh, the first mentioning of the Infinity Stones and stuff like that. It's uh, he he appointed Ronan to to um, get the stone for him, and uh, and Ronan uh, backstabbed him, used the stone for himself. Right, right, mm-hmm. right, right. Uh, but yeah, I think Volume Two also brought into that whole kind of the father's parent, the bad parent, the bad father kind of motif, and uh, and it worked well. Again, when I say you know it suffers from sequelitis, I mean you know it has the same beats. It's, it has this kind of needle drops. It has the spectacular, spectacular opening scene. You know, it feels like here's the well, Guardians, the, and we're just going to do it bigger and better. You know, yeah, that's the stuff that that doesn't necessarily work that well in the movie. The stuff that you know feels kind of forced. Yeah, um, but but all of those things still made for uh, still make for a good. Uh, cinematic experience or whatever uh and another thing for guardians too um well it's definitely not as good as volume one it um i think the years have been kind to it you know what i mean i think it's so, the yeah. fact that the fact that we've gotten so many comic book movies since then and so many comic book movie sequels like uh you know the first shazam movie was great the sequels you know mm-hmm. not so great you know <laughs> and it's like you know Guardians 2, it, it's at least, you know, at least had a good story, you know what I mean? And at least it had, you know, introduced some good characters and it's got stuff going for it. I think the the biggest positive or the biggest kind of, um, the biggest reason why people go back and, and then have a new, uh, a new validation or a new re- review of it is because it has a consistency with the characters, which you don't get with most comic book characters, especially in the MCU, because 
which each with each new movie, it seems like the character changes on a dime. There's no consistency of what they're doing. There's no purpose. It really feels like they're in the moment. And, they, you know, like, for instance, you know, uh, Doctor Strange, he was intelligent, a man in the first movie, and then he's doing these stupid stuff with, with Peter Parker, you know? It just is no consistency there. And you wonder if, like, why or, is know, he so um, stupid in this movie when he's, like, was or, kind of... Why is Wanda killing people? Yeah, you know, yeah. so... I think with the, if you go back to with the Guardians, at least it feels like it's a one complete arc, and every character has a kind of a character arc, and they you know they go from one po- one one point to the next, and it feels like there's a progression there, and I think that's why Volume Two is getting um, reanalyzed as like oh it's not that bad of a movie. Uh, well, yeah, I'm saying yeah, I mean it's obvious to me that the the biggest um, misuse of the Guardians of the Galaxy characters was obviously in thor love and thunder um, <laughs> that 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 the, the, the that opening opening sequence with, with them was just totally wasted mm-hmm. and i'm hoping james Gunn didn't have, have anything to do with that basically but well, there, uh, well, there you, you go know. again i mean thor is another character who has gone many you know cycles he becomes the you know by time by 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 love and thunder he is a complete joke and it feels like he is he hasn't learned the stuff that from from the other movies right it feels like he's just starting over again and we're we're presented with a whole different thor and the same thing goes with loki the same thing you know the same that goes with a lot of these mcu characters where i don't think you get that with the guardians i think they're very consistent and you know star lord is a wise cracking guy from from the first movie to to the last movie, you know, mm-hmm. and same thing with uh, Rocket, and same same thing with everyone else, you know, and same thing with uh, uh, Drax, and we'll talk about this when we get to our kind of spoiler review. But he is, you know, in the movie, he is called an idiot or stupid, right? And uh, that is consistent with the character. So I, 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 that's why I kind of really, really appreciate what James Gunn has done with these with these characters and with with the movies. But um, you speak to that, Rich. Well, yeah, for example, I mean, um, uh, I, I know that um, uh, Zoe Zaldana wanted out of the, uh, the Guardians films uh, on, on Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that because of just the makeup and she was really tired? I think of that, that and also the time, I mean, she, um, the Avatar was, was supposed to, uh, uh, you know, take off also. Yeah, and she's going to probably spend like five years in New Zealand or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but... Um, uh, 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 yeah, and then uh, you know they they went on and and, and killed her off in an Infinity War, right? And and I thought um, when going into Volume Three that that would have been a more um, more likely a storyline for it. I thought it was going to be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three: The Search for Gamora, mm-hmm. but uh, obviously um, they went in a totally di- different direction, and I I. I uh, I, I, I applaud it because it's a, it's a, I really, uh, I, I really enjoyed Rocket's, um, origin you know, story. Uh, origin story. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the, I think the, con- the consistency of the characters is, is, is definitely what I think makes it, makes it the, the kind of MC, the franchise within the MCU that's going to stand the test of time. Because mm-hmm. already, while I, I love Endgame and I think it was, you know, such a great, you know, final chapter for everything. And I, I watched it so many times, you know, back then. I don't see myself, you know, really going back to many of the Marvel movies because they all felt so 
now they all feel so like um episodic and um and and the ones that weren't episodic feel so kind of uninventful now or just like feel so not as exciting as they originally did just because they were very simple movies but guardians you know guardians none of them were really simple movies they were all you know well maybe because the first one was kind of simple but um they're 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 all pretty unique movies and um there, there's there's a lot of stuff to kind of always go back to, and it's a formula that I don't see necessarily being repeated the same way the formula has been repeated for other Marvel movies. Yeah, I, I, I and uh, I don't know that that's not necessarily exactly what you asked. No, no, no. I think that's a, that's a good point because it does feel like a James Gunn idea or concept, or he, at least he is heading the ship you know he's directing the the ship you know where the other films feel more like studio you know touches or it's not even just that though it's it's not even just that is because in many ways kind of james gunn got lucky by getting the cosmic side because with the cosmic Mm -hmm. side you could be so original but you know with the other marvel stuff it's like well it's a guy in a costume you know saving people you know what i mean (laughs) i mean with thor i guess you could do some original stuff but like, you know, for a lot of them, it's just, you know, there, there's only so much you can do. And a lot of that stuff has kind of been exhausted by now. Yeah. The cosmic stuff has not been exhausted because this is like a comic book movie, but it's also like a science fiction movie yeah. that has humor. And, and it's not just, you know, the MCU humor, specifically James Gunn's humor, yeah. which can be hit and miss. But, you know, to be fair, but definitely hits better than, you know, the stuff the Rick and Morty writers have been doing for Marvel. <laughs> well, that you know. You bring up a good point because I think you're right. I think the James Gunn stuff, although there, it does feel like there's qualities in both, like James Gunn's movies and the MCU movies, but somehow James Gunn makes it a little more original. And mm-hmm. I would say that the reason why I like the Guardians more- Well, he actually cares also. That's true. And he loves his characters very much and it, mm-hmm. it comes off and it, and it shows. And it, why I like the Guardians more is, is it's because they're really a band of misfits who are not heroes. <laughs> they're, they're far from heroes, but they have to do heroic things. To, and a lot of it has to be because they, they're looking for redemption. But also, it, it is because they're, you know, they're, who else is going to do these impossible tasks other than some guy with nothing to lose? That it's not the same with say Iron Man, who is a billionaire and, you know, and he's like, he feels sorry that he sold a bunch of guns to a uh, terrorist, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's just a different kind of connection. Thor is a God. Uh, Chris, but, uh, Chris but also, you know, uh, Captain America is a super soldier. These are kind of good concepts and great characters, but it's hard to really relate to that to say someone who like Star Lord, who has you know an incredible fam, bad family, uh, family issues, dad issues, or Rocket Raccoon, who is you know tortured and stuff. Like these are kind of really great, relatable characters. I wouldn't say relatable, but uh, I mean relatable, empathetic, empathetic characters. But relatable in the sense that these these all these people in the Guardians are are dealing with real issues, mm. and 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 so and, and it's personal issues, and it's issues about kind of like they're about their traumatic past and stuff. And I think that's more relatable than say Tony Stark and, you know, being a kind of billionaire, billionaire asshole and 
and really the character only works because of, of Robert Downey Jr. and how great he's performing it. You know, if it, it's, if you get someone else, I don't think that character works as well as, as it does because of, because of, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Same thing with even like Thor. I mean, Thor is a eagle maniac God who could kill people and, you know, change, you know, like has the power to change, you know, you know, uh, destroy planets or whatever. But the way Chris, Hensworth plays it. It's funny and it's that it's enjoyable to watch, but the character itself is not really that uh, relatable in that in that sense. Not not as not as, as relatable, say say like the the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that's why people have drawn to these this franchise and people have have gone back and really love these characters. But um, yeah, uh, but, but also but also I think uh, you know going back to the first movie. The Guardians of the Galaxies, they're not heroes, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're, they have a Suicide Squad kind of thing going on where they're kind of like the bad guys, but they're also not the bad guys. They're kind of like a bunch of, uh, you know, like like Han Solo type characters. Yeah, smugglers, you know I mean? thieves. Yeah, and, and everyone loves Han Solo, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, but I mean, I mean... Look at Ant Man. I mean, it's Scott Lang who was uh, uh, in 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 jail oh, the that, first that time. That makes me so sad because that, that I mean that first Ant Man movie was so good. Mm-hmm. There was so much potential in what that franchise could have been, and it just kept getting worse and worse. And wow, yeah, yeah. It's so funny that that. But but, but uh, that makes me think again because you were you were, we kind of were talking about this like a little earlier, but you know these a big part of the reason why these movies these Guardians movies are so good is because you know James Gunn loves these characters that he's kind of, you know, written over, you know, these past couple films. And do you think maybe like Guardian or not Guardians, but do you think maybe Doctor Strange 2 would have been awesome if they just, you know, let Scott Derrickson make the movie he wanted to make and not, you know, remove them and not remove the screenwriter and we're like, no, we need to bring in, you know, these Rick and Morty screenwriters. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. I I mean I, I wouldn't want know, to know you what... know keep 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 people attached that, you know, kind of created these versions of the characters because i what was the point in getting rid of him and there's other examples right who was uh some other filmmakers that were recently re- replaced at marvel or or i guess yeah Payne reed right i mean <laughs> well Payne reed did direct uh, all, he did the, all three he did all the well i well he, yeah i mean he kind of directed the first <laughs> well he he replaced edgar wright for the first movie and, and I, I will argue that the only reason that first movie works is because of the work Edgar Wright put into it. Yeah. Well, you could say that, I mean, it, the, the script was redone by Adam McKay and, uh, and Paul Rudd. I that's mean, true. But, yeah, that's true. Uh, well, it, it, it's, I think it's they sad bought... that Paul Rudd wasn't involved at all in this one, in this last <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, I think what the problem with Quantumania is that it feels so empty and uh, directionless, you know, you know, speaking about a director with a vision, you know, Peyton Reed just feels like a hired hand, and which, which is even more odder because in Stranger Than Think, because he was hired from the first, you know, he was, he directed from the first movie. You would think he had at least an idea what, what these characters are. And I was really taken aback when I, I, when they mentioned that Scott Lane has been gone from the blip or whatever he's been missing. That's the whole point of the, the daughter being older now, and I'm like, "Wow, you waited this long since Endgame to really kind of bring up the blip and bring out this kind of, you know, this this missing part, this like five year missing part thing, and you're using Ant Man as the as that kind of conduit to 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 talk about these because they didn't do that with like 
with uh, with Doctor Strange. I mean, I guess they mentioned a little bit about Doctor Strange with uh, her, his relationship with um, the Rachel McAdams character, but it's well, such they, a they, it, they, they did it in um, a bunch of the Disney Plus shows. Yeah, but really, like half a second, and they just gone past it. But this is like uh, Quantum was like based all around that idea that, that that Scott Lane has been gone for five years, and mostly because he was not in the blip; he was actually caught in uh, the quantum realm. But and that his daughter's now grown up as and becoming this, you know. But they touched on that idea and um an Endgame, and they did a better job in Endgame than the entirety of this movie. But <laughs> I mean, I mean, but not not Guardians, but Quantumania. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I just, I just, I just found that odd that there were, you know, because Quantumania was the start of Phase Five, and they were starting with the kind of the the whole idea of the blip and I, I just thought that was just weird or i don't know it's just like you guys are finally going to address this five-year gap that no one else is really talking about i don't know and then that's then just that's a nitpick anyway uh the movies has more problems than, than just that. Dude, the whole fi- the whole five-year gap thing man like I don't even understand why they they try to continue the MCU after Endgame. Like it was just such a like perfect like you know just finale. Like why, why they? Well, I mean it's money. <laughs> well, I remember I I remember thinking to myself like when when Endgame ended, they should just reboot everything again. Yeah, I mean I think they they, they, they that would have been a great idea, but in. But I thought they should have they should have rebooted everything, but like just done it as uh, period pieces. <clears throat> Oh okay, yeah. I mean, they could start with like like, fan- like yeah, Fantastic Four. Four. Yeah. yeah, do Fantastic Four like in the sixties mm-hmm. or? I thought just like, just basically, do it in the order that the comics came out. <laughs> I mean, I and, think the uh, whole the whole introduction of yeah. the multiverse just really ruined the the franchise. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's mm-hmm. why, and I think that really kind of shows with Guardian Guardians Volume Three. No, but also like, but like as much as I love Endgame. They 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 did some stuff in the Endgame that should not have worked. You know what I mean? Like introducing time travel and all this stuff. Right. And you can't take things further. Like it already reached peak. You know, wackiness. You know what I mean? Right. And how how do you? I know it feels like they're they they were like okay now audiences understood that that means we can do crazier shit now. Now we can go even wilder because the audiences will just go on board. We'll be on board. And it's like, no, man, like, you guys already kind of, the fact that you guys got away with Endgame is a miracle. Like, don't, mm-hmm. don't try to push things even further. And they keep trying to push things further, and people keep, you know, stepping away. And Ant-Man was the biggest, um... Wake-up um, call. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, and I think with the success of, like, Volume 3, it really shows you that, because, I mean, Volume 3 does have, has zero... Uh, ties with the multiverse and it really shows you that well he, Gamora well yeah I guess so but it means barely mentioned it's more of an end game thing yeah and I, I it it really just shows you that 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 um people just don't like that multiverse shit it's just like it's too confusing <laughs> it's it's more obscure I think you people have, only loved it for the fan service in um in No Way Home and people only went to go see Multiverse of Madness because they thought they were going to get a bunch of fan service, and they didn't even get that. Yeah, they got well, they got <laughs> they just got a shitty performance from John Krasinski. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's so funny because like everyone's saying John Krasinski for Mister uh, for for Mister Fantastic, and after that movie, yeah. 
Fuck John. <laughs> he did that on purpose. <laughs> Fuck that guy. He knew what he was doing. He was like, I'm going to put zero effort into this performance. And it really, and you know, the whole sequence felt like they shot that in like two days, really. And like, you know, it was like, right, yeah, like, maybe like, a day, maybe three weeks before the release dates, you know. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it was, it's a, it, like we have troubles with the MCU. We we thought the MCU was over, and I don't know if Guardians Volume Three saves it or maybe gives it a a a brief or some time to breathe. But I, uh, what's your thoughts on the no, future but, MCU of the of the MCU? Well, I I think you know, like Guardians was a a really nice like final goodbye to these characters, and I'm all for getting a final good goodbye to some other marvel characters like it would have been like we kind of brought this up before i don't remember where mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> somewhere but uh i would have loved that black widow you know really got to be a, a nice goodbye to that character because scarlett johansson did such a great job with that yeah. role and it would have been awesome to have seen her really get a, a nice final great mission to, you know to be a send-off for for her for her legacy as that character yeah i was but if we could well, I always, thought, we I always thought it was a slap in the face when the kind of the final scene in that movie was when Florence Pugh shows up in her <laughs> grave, <laughs> grave site and basically saying, uh, I'm the new Black Widow now. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> like, I go, man, fuck you, man. I, I don't know you. <laughs> they get to just, that didn't even have to be part of the movie. Yeah. They just needed to, they just needed to establish that, you know, she had a, 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 not a sister, but, you know, someone that she grew up with or whatever. Yeah. It, that, 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 that was so unnecessary, but the movie had bigger problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but go ahead, go ahead, finish what you were but, saying. Um, look, it, but kind of like I was, you know, saying earlier, you know, if they could bring back, you know, Scott Derrickson, and mm. if he could do his original idea for what he wanted Doctor Strange two to be, I'm sure that'd be cool, and that could be like a really nice send off to the Doctor Strange character. I'd be okay with something like that, you know. Do or who who else was? Who else has, has had, I guess, their, a character? I, bring John Favreau back to do something, right? Bring John Favreau back for... for Happy um, Hogan. <laughs> for no, Happy not Ho- for that. Happy Hogan. <laughs> Give him, I mean, he was, like, treated like shit in, in uh, Homecoming. Happy Hogan. Yeah, like, he was, a, he was a butt of every joke. Uh, no Way Home. Or No but Way Home. Home. No Way Home, yeah. But, John I mean, Favreau should have actually done the Black Widow solo movie. Yeah, that would have been nice. That would have been really great. They, they were really obsessed with the whole, like, we need to hire a female director at the time. And- well, I mean, Scarlett wanted a female director, and she was a producer on the movie. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that, that, that again, that kind and, of... And the, and the movie the, the movie wasn't the director's fault either. Yeah, and just- also, that, that was uh, during the time where Marvel thought, we could just hire anybody, and it will just turn out great, mm-hmm. because we have the departments already set up. And if the person doesn't know about stunts, we already got a stunt team. If the person, if the director doesn't know about special effects, don't worry. We got a special effects team to handle all that stuff. And mm-hmm. what do you know? That shit doesn't turn out great. <laughs> the director has to have a vision. And well, it's, it's exactly what they did with Captain Marvel. I mean. Yeah, well, exactly. And, but that made a yeah. billion dollars. That's all. Well, that made a billion dollars because of the promotion. They did a great job of kind of convincing people that this is something that you need to watch before Endgame. Also, the first kind of, uh, you know, MCU super uh, female uh, hero. Yeah, and they wanted to compare it to uh, 
Wonder Woman, which was their... Was, their, uh, was Wonder was Woman came out before their, that? Yeah. Wonder Woman came out. They're basically the best, the biggest competition because they wanted to say fem- the fe- the females, the, the first comic book hero based on, right. you know, on a female. Right, uh, right. And also they use the kind of the same promotional techniques that they did with Black Panther at the time. And they did, you know, Black Panther was a huge hit because one, it, it pleased movie or uh, please comic fans but two also became this cultural moment where normies had to check it out because everyone was talking about it and somehow that can't that kind of happened with uh with captain marvel and that's why it kind of i mean that grossed over a billion dollars right so i think that that would happen but also it also a lot of people didn't like that movie too i mean mm-hmm. a lot of normies said that was pretty pretty bad movie you know and I think I think I think nowadays with the with these new MCU movies, I think you're you're seeing these normie audiences who are saying, "I'm confused. Who? Why is uh, Scarlet Witch evil now? Or what the hell is mm-hmm. going on with this character? Or do who who is this person? Or uh, why are they doing that? I don't understand. I'm lost. And I think that's going to be a major major problem. I think that's I, I think there is a, a certainly a comic book fatigue, but there's also a, a a problem where people are just so lost and that's because of what mm-hmm. happened in the TV series that has now been incorporated with the franchise. And so people are just kind of lost. I, I heard the same crit- criticisms for uh, Guardians of Value 3. There are people who are, didn't like the movie because they didn't know who the Adam, stuff? Adam, well, Warlock, Adam Warlock is, or yeah, or the Gamora stuff, or, you know, like they were kind of lost and you know these these critics or or the, the, these people that I listen to they're they're not necessarily comic book fans but they were kind of criticizing it as just being lost and you know um, I think that's that's a problem too. Well, um, let me let me, I I I I, well, I I definitely don't disagree with that and that is probably one of my bigger issues with Guardians Volume Three. But the only way I kind of the way I look at it is like it's one of those things that it. If you're if you're making a trilogy of films or if you're making movies in the in, in the MCU, that's one of the obstacles that's going to be thrown at you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like James Gunn made the best possible movies you could have made within you know the w- within you know all the possible bullshit Marvel could throw at you. <laughs> and they threw the and they threw him. I mean, they did him dirty. Really, <laughs> they did some of the wor- they did the worst you could you could have done to anybody right oh i mean he got, he got fired <laughs> he got fired yeah uh, no but i mean like um to his characters like oh yeah 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 because like i had you co- complete your trilogy now <laughs> yeah i mean especially after because in, in many ways it feels like a guardians volume three could have been guardians volume five you know what I mean? yeah that's the biggest thing i kind of got out you know they when i was watching the movie i'm going oh yeah you know what there there there's been some time since two and three and i was wondering if anyone will yeah because in many it. ways it's like it's in many ways it's kind of like the the avengers movies are are volume four or whatever yeah I, or I, volume or volume three yeah that's what was the major concern uh, oh after watching the movie and really loving the movie go i i went to you know i thought I don't know if people are going to remember volume two or remember what happened in the other movies. And cause they're all kind of tying in now. And, you know, it seems like people have, have kind of remembered, but I mean, and I guess it does work on its own. If you don't, you're not that familiar with everything, which is good because I think you, you could just kind of 
go with the flow and and understand what it's mostly just the Gamora stuff that's gonna throw you off yeah yeah. and everyone's seen Endgame you know yeah so um yeah well let's let's get into the our spoiled well but really really quick um because you know we were talking about earlier you know about you know kind of what's the future of Marvel okay and uh you know I, I kind of mentioned, you know, bring back, you know, Scott Derrickson, let him do the movie he wanted to do. Oh, yeah. Bring back people that kind of built up these characters and that kind of started, you know, these versions of these characters, I should say, because, you know, these are old characters. But, you know, kind of built up these uh, or these versions of these characters. And um, after the disastrous, you know, experience that was uh, Thor Love and Thunder, <laughs> um, wh- what do you guys think about, you know, bringing, like, Kenneth Branagh back, but to do like a a more serious Thor movie and kind of you know give the character a, a final a final send off that's not you know him being like a a goofball house mom. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm well, not against him being a father, mm-hmm. but you know you know maybe do it a bit more like uh, uh, God of War or something like that and. Something more serious. Well, I, I think Chris uh, Hensworth has said that he, if he is going to come back, he would like to have a other tone shift, uh, not keep with the same tone that he had in the previous films, and do something totally drastically different. Would Hence, you want to see Kenneth Branagh do a darker Thor movie? Like, I, I mean, a, a darker than what we've seen previously. The thing is, a lot of people did not like the first Thor movie, but that's why I say it'd be like a more serious version of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you... that was also, I'm sure, I'm sure, I don't know. Maybe, then again, I was going to say maybe, maybe the, uh, Kenneth Branagh had to kind of work around certain things in the Marvel, but then again, you know, back then, I think he had more freedom. <laughs> I don't think it, Marvel was as strict back then. He's also a, you know, hit and miss type of filmmaker. You yeah. Know? He's much more of a consistent actor. You know, he's always great, even in Tenet, where he's playing a Russian guy and has this, <laughs> you know, really ridiculous Russian accent, but he's also, he's awesome yeah. in it. Well, Will and Warner might bring back Alan Taylor. Uh, no, Alan Taylor. <laughs> no, such no, no. A, I think, he, as much as I hate these new MCU movies, I think I don't like, I still don't like Thor 2, The Dark World. I mean, I haven't no, seen, no. I only saw it one <laughs> no, time. Was bad. <laughs> it was a bad. It was a really bad movie. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if the, I don't, I, I mean, I understand like bringing someone back to give a really good send off to Chris Hemsworth as Thor, but I don't know if you need Kenneth Branagh for that. But. <laughs> <laughs> I try to help you, Kenneth. <laughs> I don't know, Rich. What, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, you need some. Uh, uh, not only just a better director, but you need a, a better writer first. Mm-hmm. And that's what all these MCU films need nowadays is much better writers. And from what I heard, they they are you know fo- more fo- putting more focus on the writing teams, and that's what they need. <laughs> that's what they always needed, but uh, they. They, you know, they they caught themselves with the pie in the face, and hopefully they cleaned it off, and then they're ready to go after Guardians. Well, it's it's funny. All right. you, you, it's funny you bring up writers because you know a lot of the recent writers that that Marvel has hired is from guys from Rick and Morty, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially the Quant- Mania was the guy Jeff. Speed. All the multiverse stuff. Yeah, all the well, multiverse. Well, it's, it's it's really sad that the the first Oscar winning film, Oscar winning film based on a comic. Uh, comic book is the spider-man from sony oh okay the animated one yeah yeah spider-man across well, logan got nominated pretty, for best screenplay 
Oh no no I'm, yeah, but they won an Oscar. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. You mean saying you saying MCU has not won an Oscar yet? I'm just saying that was a huge achievement for um for even even animated because uh, if anybody for picked it, for yeah, I mean even if you you know mm-hmm. beat uh, Pixar, um, it's it's a huge it's a hu- yeah, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to, so to, I, what I think you guys are trying to say is uh, what Marvel needs to do to get things back on track is after the 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 upcoming success of Fast X <laughs> to bring back Luis Louvetier to to do the next Avengers movie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, well let's go back to the writing because I uh I want to bring up there's this kind of trend or maybe it's gone now, but the trend of hi- hiring uh Rick and Morty writers. And I, I think I, that I think they learned the lesson. I think they hopefully they learned their lesson because I think that they hired the two True detective, true detective writer to to write the Blade movie, upcoming Blade movie. Although the the production stopped because of the writers' strike. <laughs> but I I just I just found out that uh, I didn't realize that Dan Hartman, who is the creator or co-creator of Rick and Morty, that he has come up with his own take on the hero story, the Joseph Campbell hero story, and it's called Dan Harmon's Story Circle. So basically, this is a story structure that he has created that has that he incorporates in, in all the episodes of Rick and Morty. And I'm assuming all the writers who work on that know that structure. And, you know, looking at it, it's beat by beat. It's every MC movie, MCU movie since the multiverse. Which also, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a structure. It's very episodic. It's a very episodic structure. So it, you can see how it would work for it. 20 minute television <laughs> yeah. but if you're turning movies into episodic television that's a big no-no because that was a big problem with multiverse of madness that even fans had like hardcore fans it was like you know we had a movie called multiverse of madness and we didn't really explore that many worlds and there was absolutely no consequences for anything that happened in the movie yeah and i was like what was the point of that you know what I mean? And Multiverse of Madness is the better of the two, of, you know, <laughs> at least better than Quantumania, mostly because of uh, Sam Raimi. I mean, Sam Raimi really, you know, helped that movie a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, I mean imagine if Payne redirected <laughs> Multiverse of Madness. And also, you, you hear Sam Raimi in interviews talking about how much they had to change the plot and, you know, they, they reworked the script during the shoot and Feige would come in yeah. with ideas at the last minute and he would have to adapt and the writer would have to adapt to these kind of, uh, you know, sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. It sounds like a fucking, it sounds like the type headache. of experience that would make you never want to make a movie ever again. I know. I know. And, 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 and I don't think Sam Raimi was alone. I think there was, that probably would happen to Pat, uh, Payne and Reed. That probably would happen to a lot of people in the last couple, uh, films from MCU. The only person that didn't seem like it happened to was James Gunn. Cause he seems like they were given, uh, enough, you know, room to, you know, for him to 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 write his 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 uh trilogy, and I think that's why it works. I think that's why Guardians works so much. Uh, let's get into our spoiled, filled review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, and basically we're just going to talk about some of the major stuff that happens in it. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, just be warned that we're going to be talking about some things that happen in the film. So. Um, let me start with you, Raymond. Uh, what is some of the things you really, really enjoyed about the movie? Uh, Rocket storyline, definitely. Um, 
Well, I guess I should say that Rocket was a character that I never really loved. Um, I, I, I just never kind of fell in love with the character the way I did, you know, the other Guardians. And I always felt that he was a bit of an asshole. And I guess maybe, like, all of the characters are kind of assholes, but hit. I, I don't know. There was just something about him that I didn't really appreciate until this movie. And this movie made me see him in a completely different light. And it was kind of like the whole, uh, in, in a way, kind of like Peacemaker in Suicide Squad. Because, you know, in, when you watch Suicide Squad, you don't like Peacemaker. You kind of hate Peacemaker. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then you see the TV show, and it's like, this man, this, this movie, you know, reveals so many layers and pulls back uh, the curtain on this character. It makes you see him, makes you see him, makes you see all you makes you see, see all of him right yeah and uh you completely understand him and they did the, they did that with rocket for me and um yeah and i i love him now the the way uh everyone else does even though now i do still kind of question why did everyone love him from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> but i still do question how did, why did everyone love uh why did some people love peacemaker from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> uh, rich, okay rich what's your I mean, what was the, some of the things you loved about Guardians Volume Three? It started off right away. The action. I mean, it was nonstop uh, entertainment. You got also the. Uh, I mean, right away within the, maybe the ten within ten minutes, you got the introduction of Adam Warlock, mm-hmm. and basically he comes into nowhere. Is that what that's what they call right. it? The yeah. headquarters, yeah. the Guardians headquarters. Oh, the Guardians, yeah. And he basically just beats up everybody and, and really kind of fucks up uh, um, uh, Rocket. And that propels the story right away within the 10 minutes. Like, yeah, we got Rocket uh, is in, in big trouble. He's he's on the verge of dying. And mm-hmm. it seems like his in his heart, there, there's a, they can't get, get to his heart because it's patented. Uh, you know, because whoever uh, created him put a, a copyright patent on it. And so you can't touch it. If you do, he dies. And so they have to go, and so that sets up the mission, right? And I, that's, I, I love that about the movie, because there are many times where I watch an MC movie, MCU movie, especially like, say, Black Panther or Wakanda Forever, where you're like an hour and 30 minutes into the movie, and you finally get, oh, so this is the mission. <laughs> and, oh, this is what's going to happen. Like, because it was all exposition in the first hour, and it's all kind of filled with characters and, you know with wakanda forever it's you know yeah you have to introduce that uh that girl character uh the science you know science you know the iron iron heart character oh yeah and then and after all that then you then you get into like oh what's the real mission of the movie and still i didn't know what the hell's going on here at least within the first 10 or 15 minutes we understand the drive we understand the goal and it's really just to save rocket and I love that about it, you know, like yeah. don't fucking pussyfoot around. Just tell me what the hell is going on. And that's what uh, James Gunn did. And yeah, it's a little bit of a MacGuffin, but it's, it's, it, it, because it's tied in with, with the fate of, of Rocket, it has this strong emotional component to it that you're just in, totally invested in. And I think that's what makes the movie so, you know, uh, propelling or, or, you know, it, it gets your motor running right away. And let's talk about Adam Warlock. You know, he is, I, I'm not sure what people think about him. And uh, I mean, he is not like the the character in the comic book, but no, what's, what's no, your thoughts? What's your thoughts? Well, he, uh, we are, we are first introduced to Adam Warlock at, at the end of, uh, 
volume two where we see him in this in this, in this um cocoon thing mm-hmm. and then um it was like a, you know it? who when they mentioned the warlock it was an end credit scene right 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 and we knew his character was coming and, and then um it was promised anyway mm-hmm. and then uh the and seeing his character pop up in the beginning was was cool and but to see that his character was dumb as shit i mean that was a that was a that was a twist that we no one was really expecting and um uh but uh, i guess it's because they 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 launched him from the cocoon too early because and he has a baby like uh you know consciousness which is which was is understandable because they they cracked his egg too soon so um yeah, I'm. I'm not familiar with him in the comic books. So you, have you? Do you oh, know? I don't know. I don't know anything. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, all I know is he was a, a, yeah, a cosmic Avenger kind of thing. Uh, Raymond, what you, what's your thoughts on just the, the portrayal of Adam Warlock? And I, we should we should add that uh, the actor Will Poulter, who's mostly I guess known for his comedic stuff, maybe. Uh, no, I guess and uh, Detroit. Yeah. Oh, Detroit! Right, right. He was one of the actors in Detroit. Midsummer. <laughs> Midsummer. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, uh, uh, he, so he's a talented guy and he's, this is probably his biggest part ever. I mean, for, he was going to be Pennywise, right? Right. Yes. But then the, it went to the other guy, um, Skarsgård. Um, yeah. So what's your, what's your thoughts on, on Adam Warlock? Well, um, I think the first, his first scene in the movie is fantastic. You know, he's, he shows up in the film. He's extremely powerful. Um, and uh, he he definitely leaves a, a big impression. Um, unfortunately, I I don't really like the way the character's used for mm. the rest of the movie. He's basically um, comedic relief. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know. I mean, it, it it's not even the fact that he's comedic relief. It's it's more the fact that the character just seem seems to be like om- almost completely sidelined. You mm. know what I mean? And he almost like. The only purpose he has in the movie is just to get Rocket injured. But um, I do like how he kind of ties in in ways to the whole kind of Guardians trilogy. I like how he ties in with with, with the Sovereign, is it? Mm-hmm. The yes. Sovereign, yeah. I like how he's, you know, part of them. And I like how the Sovereign were, like, created by the... Um, uh, great great grand uh, evolutionary the high evolutionary high evolutionary yes uh and you know i i like how that all kind of kind of ties together it makes it really all feel like a, a complete trilogy you know what i mean that's why the kind of uh gamora stuff and making you forcing you to watch the two avengers movies is kind of frustrating <laughs> yeah. but it, it's fine you know <laughs> But um, I, I mean, it, it really kind of seems like it could have been anybody in this. You know, this character could have been anybody, but I, because they kind of introduced Anna Warlock in in Volume Two in the, in the end credit scene, that they had to bring him in. And yeah, it's funny because uh, there, there's an interview uh, with uh, James Gunn. He, he obviously is doing a lot of interviews promoting the movie, mm-hmm. but um, in one, one interview, uh, he, he uh, yeah, someone uh, someone asked him, I think, like what. what what was the you know the you know the biggest obstacle for you in writing the screenplay? And he said it was actually Adam Warlock, and he said he kind of regretted putting him in the post credit scene. <laughs> yeah, I I think it, it I think it shows because he he is like a uh, uh, a casualty of a kind of really an overstuffed movie here because what this movie has to do it has to like it has a, and I think it does it successfully 
successfully well, but it, it has to tie or close each character arc in the film. Like you got Rocket's character arc, you got Star Lord's character arc, you got Nebulus and and um, Gamora, and and I guess the Kalger's teaser might be Drax and. But even like like Mantis got a good good arc here. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess Drax might be the one who got short sh- uh, shifted or short shaft. Oh, uh, I disagree. I, I liked how they. Uh, I liked how they ended his uh, because we all knew. Um, I mean, we that, were all Batista's uh, not coming back. Yeah, we all knew that. Yeah, yes. Um, some of these actors are definitely not coming back. But we we were we were sort of like um, expecting one of them, at least one of them, to die. And um, um, he was the best bet. <laughs> yeah, he was the best bet, and I, I'm kind of glad that they did it the comic book way and not kill anybody off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the um, you know, it's it's a uh, it's the traditional you know, don't kill off your heroes if it's, if it's absolutely not necessary. Mm-hmm. And um, they did um, better the happy ending, also. Yeah, exactly. And and I really liked how they they tied uh, Drax's storyline together. Um, making him a father again, basically. Yeah, and um, and and I knew I knew David Batista was definitely not coming back because, from what I heard, um, uh, out of everybody in the cast, he is the most tortured with um, uh, with that makeup job. Oh, he's covered with makeup, and uh, uh his body's covered with makeup. And in this film, luckily, he's got a jacket in a lot of scenes. Yeah, but um, um. In the past two films, and 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 the, the you know every every other appearance, um, with the makeup job, you can't touch your makeup. Mm. So in you know you know you know how you, in the movies that there there's hours and hours just standing on the set. Yeah. Well, he can't even sit down in anything. He he has to sit on a stool. Mm. You can't he can't put it back on anything. He can't lie down. He can't you know. Yeah, um, because he has he's all, that's he's the ha- real reason that they, they wouldn't let him lay down on the couch during the <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> the house yeah I mean I mean that's uh, it's it's that it's, be, it's, that, it's, it's actually torture that, I mean that it, could be for, inside for joke. a fifty year old man <laughs> <laughs> it might have been um yeah I, yeah I mean I think yeah I think yeah also he doesn't like he he's so loyal to to uh, uh, James Gunn that mm-hmm. you know he there's no way he will. We'll do another movie without him. I do. I, I agree with you, Rich. That I like what they did with Drax because Drax, you know, as I mentioned before, that he he was a, a you know he was kind of called stupid in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. that was kind of a joke in the movie. And you know, he has got he gets this kind of reputation of being obtuse, I guess, or, or you know, someone who doesn't. Uh, uh, what was that joke? Uh, uh, you know, uh, metaphors or something like that. Right. Um, right. So he's not, you know, he he he's he's a little block. He's a blockhead, you know. Mm-hmm. And I like that they they he accepts that, and and he has they they show that he, that even for someone who is a bit thick headed, that he has a purpose in this world and, the, and on his team. Yeah. And it's really it's really with uh, uh, him dealing with the children because the uh, one of the plot lines in here is like saving some captured children uh prison mm-hmm. prison's children um I, I gotta talk about you know the high revolutionary or evolutionary yeah chuck woody uj chuck woody wait how you say this guy's name chuck, chuck woody chuck woody uj uji 
Chuck mm-hmm. Woody Uji, who also uh, uh, worked with James Gunn in um, Suicide, or no, no, Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. He was one of the characters, and he was fantastic in that series. And, you know, watching him in, performing in this movie made me really, really, really appreciate what he could do with very little. I mean, it's not like he has given a lot of material here. He is playing like a, like a, like a guy who wants to rewrite uh, the idea of, 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 a, of, a, of a person. He, is, he, is a, he has a God complex. And I just loved his performance. And it just made me really hate <laughs> even more Jonathan Major's performance in, uh, <laughs> as Kang the Conqueror. Because, you know, I was not impressed by Jonathan Majors' performance in Quantumania when everyone was hyping that up as like, oh, you know, the movie must be, you know, the movie's pretty shitty, but don't worry. Once Jonathan Majors shows well, up, it gets very, <laughs> but it gets good. It gets good well, again. everyone also hyped up his performance in, in Loki, and I didn't understand that either. Yeah, and, and where everyone should have been uh, uh, hyping up is uh, Chuck Woody Uji, and maybe it's because of that damn name. <laughs> but he is so good in that movie, in this movie, as the high evolutionary that he, with with very little, you know, he's he got a couple scenes and then they're all great. But with that little kind of, uh, uh, you know, these little moments, you understand his his intent, his goal, and you understand how fearful or, or how fearful you should be, and how uh, uh, how how powerful he could be. I just, you know, after watching the movie, I go. Man, why can't this guy be the, the the main villain of the next you know phase five of MCU? Because he's so good. I would love to see more of him. I would love to see more of this character. But you know, it's yeah, not, it, it, it's most just, likely not going to happen. But it's, it's, it's just a, it's, a great performance. It's great casting, I and mean, it's it's mm-hmm. um it's James Gunn's um um uh, you know seeking this kind of an actor from out of nowhere because even during press um uh. They asked Karen Gillian, who plays Nebula, um, what was it like to work with Chuck Woody, Woody again? And, and, and she was confused. And it, I, actually, he did a, a, a small part in an episode of Doctor Who with her. So, and she didn't even remember him. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she he played, what a he played like a, uh, he played, <laughs> he played like a, um, a, a White House guard or something like that. And, oh, wow. and, 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 That's awesome. you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So this guy's definitely didn't, you know, he was doing some TV stuff. He, I, it, obviously, he's a stage actor because you could tell that by his performances. He is yes. good. He is good, yeah. and he is great. And I really loved his performance. And I, you know, R- really quick. Yeah. Um. So, so there's been there's been a, a, a rumor going around online that um that James Gunn was originally gonna use one of his Guardians Volume Three actors as uh, as um, as Lex Luthor and Superman. Oh, do you think it was gonna be him? That would have been awesome. I would I wouldn't mind. Is it so? The rumors is that with the act the, with the Guardians actor that it didn't work out, and he's looking for someone else. But do you think it, do you think it would have been him? No, I think it would probably be someone like Will Poulter or. Um, someone younger. Um, someone younger. Yeah, because they're going the younger route. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, because um, yeah, know. that probably makes sense. You're probably right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think I think he definitely would want to work with uh, Chuck Wood, Woody Uchi <laughs> again <laughs> because uh, uh, they, they're just they, they they do good work together. 
Uh, some of yeah. the other kind of big surprises of what I, what I really loved about the movie is also Mantis. Mantis, you know, Palm Clemente. I mean, she was so great in the holiday special. Right. Uh, it's a Palm Clemente. Is that her, how you say her name? Uh, Palm Clemente. Yeah. Uh, she's going to be also in Mission Impossible. Yes, and she's going to play. She's playing a bad person in that movie. But you know, Mantis, she. I think she. This is the one character that surprised me the most in the in the film, because you know we did see her in in that uh, Christmas special, and I thought that was mm-hmm. going to be just. I thought that was just going to be a side thing for her to you know. You know, I I, that, I thought that was like maybe a gift for her and and Drax and, or you know Batista to to kind of expand a little bit on the character. I thought both of them were not going to be as as big in, in this movie. And I guess they're really not, they're really on the side, but I really enjoyed what she, she did in this and be, and, and how she plays a part in the, with the team, you know, and she, yeah, she's definitely part of the team. Yeah. I think that's the major thing. Uh, you know, she takes control. She's, you know, she's, she, she's uses her powers quite well, <laughs> you know, and she's absolutely funny in the movie. Yeah. And it's, it's, just one of those picks that uh that worked out so well i mean that character to be um uh, obviously that was a a great character for great character for Valentine too but to to see the but to to see how james she could easily be written off after Valentine too and uh, to see how james gunn uh enjoyed seeing her work and went ahead and did a holiday special where they where they linked her character to um chris uh um Chris Pratt's character, uh, uh, Star Lord, their brother and sister, brother as brother and sister, right. which was uh, which was a good mix for that uh, holiday special. And um, but um, yeah, from what I heard, <laughs> from from what I heard, uh, James Gunn actually m- mentioned to her uh, that that was going to happen um, from the beginning, and no, it almost didn't happen. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've liked the character since uh, Volume Two, and uh, I th- I think. Um, uh, yeah, I think the the character got a lot of great moments. I think uh, Nebula also got a lot of great moments throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have much more to add. Well, let's talk about the, some of the controversial stuff in the movie. And what, is there okay. controversial stuff? Well, well the, the animal cruelty stuff that everyone mm-hmm. really bitches it's about. The stuff in the movie. <laughs> so let's talk about it because I I didn't personally I didn't have a problem with the 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 animal cruelty. I mean, not that I want to see that, but. Mm. I think it plays in, you know, it, I think you get it from the first movie that you understand that, that, uh, Rocket went through some hell. Yeah. And that, that he, yeah. he even mentions that, you know, I, I, I didn't ask to be like this. He says something like that. And, and, you know, that he has scars on his body. And that always left me with the idea that, you know, something terrible happened to him. So I kind of was, I, it's not like I was caught off guard. Uh, so I kind of knew that this was going to be a terrible kind of flashback. No, I mean, I think no, nobody was surprised by it, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I think we spend a lot of time with it, you know what I mean? Right. And I think, I, th- I think the way I kind of always pictured it in my head was Rocket was um, in, in the possession of some guy kind of like the collector. And that he was probably like in some, in some type of display case or something like that. Uh. But this was more realistic to like a, a jail, like that you would torture, like a torture someone in, or like um. There was more, th- there was less fantasy in the way that stuff was depicted, even though you're using CGI animals uh-huh. and they're talking and all that. Though, because to me, uh, the, those scenes kind of reminded me a little bit, and, and not necessarily uh, because uh, it's the same thing, but um, 
but but more because because uh, of the realism that's being mixed with like this like very unbelievable situation. Mm-hmm. But it kind of reminded me of a uh, War of the Planet of the Apes and how that uh, how the how the apes like mirrored the Holocaust. Yeah, and this kind of it didn't just mirror like um, animals like animal cruelty. It just it mirrored it mirrored like inhumane like torture. Mm-hmm. and like you know starving people and like it, it was it was it was i don't know did i, did I, think, did I, did I explain that i think you're you're getting something there i think maybe you could re see it as some a kind of a metaphor of like third world countries like we don't care about those people or even you know immigration how we lock up the the children in cages you know it could be a lot of metaphors like that but i think ultimately it's just about you know, it ties in with the high evolutionary and his goal of trying to uh, create this, the the superior superior being, you know, the superior person mm-hmm. that he's trying to get this grand image, you know, of, of the perfect world. He cre- you know, in the movie, he creates a what's it called, a Earth two or what was it called, Earth second or uh, Counter Earth, Counter Earth, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, very similar to Earth now, but um, but all animals, you know, humanoid animals. And, and you know that's that's maybe a nitpick with the movie, because it's kind of interesting, right? Because you know he's been working on these like these these animal creatures for so long, you know, Rocket's lifetime basically, right? And at some point he created the Sovereign, right? Right, right. And right, it's right. like why do you why do you regress back to animals? <laughs> I guess it was the first attempt to his first attempt because right. remember Rocket came up with the special uh, uh, equation. You know, the, right. and maybe maybe this is my fault for you know w- listening to all these interviews and stuff like that. But in my head, it's just like, oh, that's just uh, that's just just because uh, James Gunn just forced the so- the sovereign into them. That the sovereign were never probably supposed to be his creation. Maybe you know it could be it. It could be just they're, they're everyone's tied to to the high evolutionary. Yeah, he just it's just it's a, it was a way to tie everything together. Yeah. But it, it, I don't think they were. But, because you know, because the, the, it, it works, it works well enough. <laughs> I mean, the, he has to set up a, a way that the sovereign is in debt to the high evolutionary because they almost yes. they're they're working as they're his they're his enforcer because they're they're trying to get you know Adam Warlock and and you know who's the uh, the the queen uh, Elizabeth Debicki Aisha. Yes, so she both of them they're they're basically like mother and 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 son characters. And they're 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 basically trying to get um uh Rocket mm-hmm. and capture him and take him to the High Evolutionary because he wants him to, mm-hmm. they want he, High Evolutionary wants to explore his brain, a uh, Rocket's mm-hmm. brain. And the reason be- because of that is because he was out of all his creations, he was the one you know animal or the one you know creator or who, creation who outsmarted him. Yeah, who actually be- he created a a being that was actually intelligent and probably more intelligent than he is because he was, he's the one who came up with the secret sauce Mm -hmm. and it happened to be a raccoon, a little raccoon. Well, that's exactly what it is. I mean, uh, going back to the first film where we're we're introduced, um, to, uh, to rocket Mm. and, um, and then, uh, Chris Pratt's character, star Lord calls him a raccoon and he he has no idea what he's talking about, you know? Oh, that's true. Yeah. And, 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 um, and then all this time, uh, it rockets um, being compared to everything else, everything by a rodent and whatever, whatever. Right. Um, a dog. But, um, 
hedgehog and then yeah and um and, and to rocket um uh we obviously been being uh, just watching him through movies we obviously think that he's probably a mutant or a, coming from an alien race that looks oh. like raccoon happens okay. to happens to look like ra- uh, raccoons but in this film we find out that he's actually a, just a regular ra- uh, raccoon who's who, who's being tortured with you know who, who his who, who DNA manu- was manu- who, yeah. who manu- was manufactured. Right. His brain was manufactured, basically, or, or tinkled with, whatever. Yeah. Along with his friends Lila, Teeth, and Floor, and but uh, it was Rocket who 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 became who was the genius, and right. uh, that's that's he was that's able to doing. he was able to come up with ideas and and equations and become uh, a powerful a powerful you know he has a powerful brain. Mm-hmm. And, and and I guess you know the high evolutionary believes that uh, that he he more he more he I guess he's more obsessed with the body than the brain I guess because he he's looking for the perfect specimen the, the to create this perfect specimen well and he doesn't understand how you know that how that that correlates with with the perfect brain and doesn't necessarily mean it ha- you know a perfect brain doesn't necessarily means your body is is going to be perfect it could be as as grotesque as a, a rodent or whatever a, a rocket or a, 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 a raccoon but um well i think he, he kept he kept on trying uh, other species to see if any of them uh when, after being uh you know that quickly transformed in, in the new ser- uh, serum or whatever the, the you know the fly machine right um if if uh if they come out to be uh, us with you know superior ne- um, uh, intelligence, yeah. um, but me, uh, obviously you never uh, they that never happened. Let me ask you: Do you think James Gunn has father issues? <laughs> I think that, that it's been asked for a uh, that's been asked for a while, but he never he, he said he never did. Oh, really? He I mean, actually uh, uh, said something about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like, I mean, the, kind of the common thread in these movies is that you know, Star Lord has a father issue, Gamora has a father issue, and now Rocket has a father issue. Yeah, it, it really seems like that's a kind of a common idea for the for these people. Like their fathers kind of failed them. And not, not he, to say he that, says that he says that where he grew up or whatever, like most of his friends, like like had had uh, most of his friends were guys that looked like seemed like assholes that people would normally hate and then you got to know them and it's like uh you know they were abused by their parents or whatever and interesting they were like lanching out so it's like he just grew up with a lot of guys that were um mis misunderstood rebellious yeah yeah yeah. um that's why he likes p davidson (laughs) i know dude that's the that's the only flaw in this movie (laughs) No. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, Pete Davidson provides a voice in one, one of the characters. I, you know what? If you didn't tell no, me, I think that... he, he he plays a character, right? Yeah, he plays a character. Oh, does he play? I didn't even recognize him. If... Was yeah, he... I don't no, because got... makeup. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he has a, a line. He just doesn't. Uh, just a couple some kind of alien guard. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look. Um, let me throw you this idea because this is what I got out of it, and then this is a far fetched kind of take on the movie because you know. We all know that James Gunn got um, fired before mm-hmm. before he was able to finish this film, and then he got rehired, and then he was, you know, back on track to to complete it. And, and I, I guess they said that the the screenplay was the same, 
Well, generally the same. They did they did do you know a write up afterwards. So okay, like good because it really this movie really feels like he's making a comment. Now I, again, I, I this might be far fetched. It really feels like he's making a comment, <laughs> and I be one of these guys about con- a council culture. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hate to be like one of these guys, but it really feels because because he kind of suffered through a, you know a degree of council culture. He was fired right because of some of the things he said. And I guess when, you know, when he, when you get branded this kind of label of being, you know, cause you know, some of his jokes on Twitter was, you know, he making pedophile jokes. So in a, in a, in a kind of bad faith argument, they were kind of saying that he's a pedophile, which is not true. Cause he was making just jokes. And, you know, there was a, there was a brief moment there where, you know, people were like, kind of like, oh, James Gunn's an asshole. Mm-hmm. He, you know, there, there was a alternative timeline here. If he not get hired, by, like say he got hired by DC right away, but if that didn't happen, they, they could have, he could have easily just been gone back to his indie roots and, you know, so go buy his, you know, studio life, studio, you know, world, you know. And I think in a lot of ways, he's he's making a comment about our idea of making, you know, presenting our heroes as perfect. You know, like we have, like you know, the high. The high uh, evolutionary, he has this kind of image that, you know, people should be perfect. And I think James Gunn saying, no, people are, are, are imperfect. That's part of the, that was, that's the beauty of them. And I think a lot, a lot of what the Guardians has to say about that is like, maybe some of the most imperfect people are the heroes in our lives or in the heroes of the universe. And I think well, that's, that's kind of what James Gunn's been saying in like every single movie they've ever made, right? <laughs> Probably. I, I mean, and I think that's what people take away from this movie or take away from this franchise. And I, I, I you know, cause I really have, I hate that kind of shit where people like, uh, oh, you know, this guy said, you know, like, you know, like, you know, Jonathan majors, like everyone like shitted on him. And even though we don't know what the hell happened to whatever happened, he could be an asshole and he could be a horrible person, but this impulsive, I, you know, reaction to like jump on him and saying, you're no good. I hate you. Get out. You know, you don't deserve to live or whatever. I think it's a wrong kind of um, impulse. They've been saying that. Oh yeah. I mean, from the, I mean, from the very beginning when the, the, you know, the early, no, dude, does he deserve to be in a big time movie, you know, franchise or whatever? There's, there's arguments for that, but you know, I don't, I just don't like this impulse of like saying, Hey, as soon as you fuck up, you should kill yourself or you should like, you know, get, you know, you should go, go to the desert and not show your face anymore. I just don't like that idea. Mm. And I think this, this movie and what's so gr- what I take away from this movie is like, people should, people are imperfect and it's, it's, and it's, sometimes it's going to be okay to be imperfect. And sometimes even the most imperfect people could do wonderful things. And I, that's why I lo- really love the movie. And I think that's, what's the whole emotion of the film really appeals to me but i don't know am i far-fetched am, am i crazy am i just taking that too far am i yeah, one of these assholes who always talk about c- cancer culture I'm over- yeah you're, you're always <laughs> you're, you're always trying to um compare it to the cancer culture stop <laughs> okay, okay all right well, well, okay maybe maybe uh maybe i'm that all right <laughs> you're the asshole <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. 
Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about the Guardians? You know, some of the things that happened in the you film? You want to talk about the post-credits? Yeah, go yeah. for it. Go for it. Okay, well, um, I mostly just want to talk about, like, what you guys think um, this necessarily means for the future. Uh, there's, you know, two post-credit scenes. Um, are we going to see this lineup again? Are we going to see, you know, Kraglin with with Groot and Rocket and um, little slave girl? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, does she even have a name? Uh, Something Marvel? Is it really a Marvel? Yeah, so the so the one of the post there was two post credits. Uh, one of them is kind of kind of uh, the first uh, introduction of the new lineup of Guardians of the Galaxy, where Rocket is the leader, and like you said, you know, uh, Adam Warlock is part of it, and this little girl who was really quickly introduced in the, in the end of the movie, who who was the, one of the imprisoned uh, young young people in the in the cages that they freed. Mm-hmm. And apparently, maybe it seems like she might have powers. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah. there's got to be something special about her. They, they all have powers. I I would say that 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 this lineup might just appear in a, in a TV show, like the Guardians TV show, or I don't know if they're going to do another movie. I, I hope they don't do another movie. And I think Rich, you said something. If they are going to do another Guardians, or maybe that was you, Raymond. That they shouldn't say volume four. They should just volume three should be the last of the volumes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 Um but I mean, then again, the MCU doesn't have as far as these new characters in the MCU, like uh, you know, all these um um young guns, whatever if you you could call them that. Uh, um I think this this team is actually, you know, ticket worthy. Mm-hmm. Um this team? What do you mean? Like Kraglin and yeah, a bunch of CG animals compared to the other, all the other new characters that they developed, like Miss Marvel and all that, whatever. The, the, um, I, I don't, I don't know about that yet because if you're removing Chris Pratt, you're moving Dave Bautista. No, no, those they'll have to make an appearance too. I mean, eventually. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, Starler is definitely coming back for Secret Wars or whatever. Oh, but he's on Earth. Yeah, yeah. But we're talking about like the the next appearance of this team. You know, Adam oh. Warlock. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm saying it's not it's not anytime soon, but yeah, if it does, if it does, I mean, I mean, it might not be that far away either because they might show up in Nova. You know what I mean? Oh God, hope so. Yeah, yeah. Nova's such a. Oh, great... so so you so you think there's still potential in this team and the way the way it's currently at? Yeah, as a supporting team, yeah. Okay. You mean you don't want to see like individual movies based on this team, but more like kind of side characters on other films? Yeah, like a like you know some kind of another space adventure. Though that will they'll have to um you know call uh, in the guardians. Call, call in the guardians. Yeah. And what would be the next uh, cosmic route that they could go? And do you would you want to see the, these guardians characters interact with like Galactus and stuff like that? Because that yeah, I mean, Fantastic Four is coming. Yeah, I mean, if 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 it's the same if it's the same storyline, yeah, have it, have them come, have Sylvester Stallone come with all these the Ravagers and stuff. Yeah, uh, let me ask you this because let's talk about the other end, uh, end credit scene with with Star Lord or with uh, with Peter Quill. And so, he, like you were mentioning, he returns back to Earth, and he kind of says this in the movie that uh, you know somebody asked him like, why don't you reunite with his grandfather? 
And so that's what he does in the end credits. He, he knocks on the door and he, and you know, he, he reunites his, with his grandfather for like, what, tw- since no, 20, let's, let's 25 years, really 30 quick. years? Huh? Let's nitpick, let's nitpick really quick. Okay. Let's nitpick really quick. With, with that end so, credit thing? Yeah. So, uh, Peter Quill, he was taken by aliens by the Ravengers when he was, let's say, 10 Six, years old. Yeah. 12? Let's be, no, let's a be bit. nice. Let, 12 years let's old. Let's be nice to say 12 i was honestly I, I would i would say he's like he was like seven <laughs> but let, okay let's say let's say 12 okay all right let's say 12 how old how, how old is he like I, they made that joke you know he's we know he's not 50 oh uh, yeah, yeah he's not 40 like he said <laughs> but, that i'm not four. yeah yeah oh wow so he was also it was the 80s because i because i feel like he should uh, like his grandfather should be dead <laughs> yeah his father should be up there because he he didn't look he didn't look very young in uh guardians one well, the actor, well i'm sure he was supposed to be, i'm sure he was supposed to be like 40 years old in guardians one well the, i okay. mean that grandfather you're talking about mm-hmm. well so the actor is played by uh, an actor named uh greg henry who has worked with james gunn he was in slither uh he's worked with him multiple times i think mm-hmm. and I, I i was funny it's funny that people actually was surprised that it it was you know greg henry like they forgot that he actually played him in the movie because i heard like there was another kind of podcast where they go oh they were setting up the the grandfather was gonna be somebody and uh, you know it turned <laughs> out to be just an old old guy and i'm like oh. you fucking idiot it, yeah. that's the that's greg greg henry who's been in the movie since it was the opening scene yeah he was in the first it was in the first movie and he's also worked with james gunn he's associated with james gunn I guess they were expecting that it was going to be a big name star. It was going to be, to- it was going to be, you know, Tom Cruise or something or something stupid. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it was so, it's, it's such a, a ridiculous comment that I heard on a, other podcasts, but, uh, I, so I was glad to, to see Greg, uh, uh, Henry again, cause he actually makes a, a small appearance in guardians volume two. Did he? Yes. Mm-hmm. Really quick. It was, he's, it was when the, the they, they, they did a, um, or maybe it was, or maybe it was not volume two. Maybe it was um, no, it was Endgame. Wrong. It, was, it, was, it was okay. Two. It was two. What happened was that they they they, they cut to the Earth, and there was a blob. Right, there was some kind of blob. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot oh, what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, his yeah. car almost he almost gets killed by the blob in his car. He's in the car. He's driving the car, and the car kind of careens, and it, you know, it, it, there's a nice close up. But also in that scene, we in in a wide shot, we do see. Greg Henry and with a, a black woman. And so when will we in the in, in this end game or in this end credit scene, we find out he is married to a, a black woman. Uh so that's always been in the in the, in the, you know, James Gunn's already already knows this. He's the architect of all this stuff. So it's already been planned. So that was uh a big a big thing that he was gonna I guess I guess this was always always gonna be. This was always a plan to have him re- reunite probably. Because they set it up in volume two. He was like, Greg, old buddy, I got you a three picture deal. And now, I, you know, so now what is that? Because they, they, you know, the very end of the movie, it says like Peter Quill is going to return. So what mm-hmm. does that mean? Is that going to be a movie or is that going to be think, a TV series? Avengers. I think absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the next Avengers movie. Um, you mean he's going to join I'm the I'm guessing Avengers. probably. Uh, no, I'm guessing probably not Kang, but uh, the one after mm. Secret Wars. Yeah. I think so. Uh, but whatever, whatever starts off in, uh, in, on Earth, okay, okay. he's going to be 
he's going to be called upon because he's, a, um, you know. I, do you think there's going to be some kind of like mini series where we just see him in Earth? I and hope like, not. <laughs> where he's like hanging out with his grandfather and he's talking about no, it, 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 talking about cutting the grass. Big, <laughs> he's too big of a uh, an actor. I don't know, man. Right I don't know. He has like the terminal terminal list on Amazon Prime. He's not. Uh, you know, it's not like he's not doing TV. And the shows. paycheck's good enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the voice of Mario and Garfield. <laughs> and uh, whatever, and, and, you know, Lego movie and whatever franchise you'll throw in. Yeah, I think he mm-hmm. was, he'll, he'll take that check and he'll do that. He, he has no scruples. <laughs> yeah, but um, I like I Chris, would, I wouldn't you know, want to see a, it. I'm a Chris Pratt fan after uh, after this this franchise. I'm not mm-hmm. those I wouldn't want to see it, though. I wouldn't want to see it. It wouldn't I surprise think, me, um, though. It wouldn't be surprise me if, he, if they do, like, a quick miniseries just to catch up with where he is right now and on Earth. Well, if you had to, if you, if you had to see Star-Lord doing Earth team up with another Marvel character, who would you want to see him team up with? I guess maybe... Happy Hogan? <laughs> on Earth? You know, I was thinking maybe he has, like, a great kind of a camaraderie with Thor, uh, maybe he'll do something with Thor, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but on Earth, I don't know. Scott Lang, <laughs> he needs some help. <laughs> definitely needs help. Um, before we go, before we end this episode, let, let's talk about one thing that I really, really thought didn't work in the movie, but I accept it now, but I think it didn't work. Is the the Beastie Boys song "No uh, No Sleep Till Brooklyn," and they used it in a really incredible action sequences uh, sequence. It's like a yeah. one shot sequence. It's very much a. I think it was one of the best constructed action sequence I've seen in a very long time, or at least in a MCU movie. It definitely, but absolutely. The, but the music kind of hurt it. Because I didn't think it worked with the No Sleep Till Brooklyn. It also didn't. Uh, it, it didn't help that the song was used in just two other movies this year alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I, it's like in the span of one month, I heard that song three times, <laughs> and somehow I feel like Guardians used it the worst. Mm, um, maybe, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I did see the. It was, it, used, it, was, it was used in Super Mario Brothers and and something else. Shazam, and Shazam, oh, yeah, Shazam. and so I think surprisingly, Super Mario Bros. used it the best. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, it's a it's a nitpick. Yeah, it's a nitpick, and I didn't mind it at the beginning. But to 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 keep it running for the entire, it's, it's very action poorly edited into the action sequences. Like because the the rap uh, the rap's very choppy. You know what I mean? It's uh, not you don't even hear the rap like consistently throughout. Interesting, you, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. It's it's. I, I I almost wish that they hadn't you they almost did like a just the beat and not the rap because oh, okay yeah yeah Rich what what you, what you thought of the, uh, the use of that song I wasn't hurt by it at all I mean it, it, I mean I I, I mean but wouldn't it be like a better use would have been like Planet Terra Inter last what was that fucking song? oh intergalactic yeah but they used it on Captain Marvel's in the oh did they yeah yeah they use it for the trailer right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care. If I can use that song, <laughs> that, that would have been a better fit. What definitely. was it called? Planet Intergalactic. In, intergalactic. Yeah. Yeah. Planet Terror. Oh. That would have been a better fit. Yeah. Anyway, take away. You know, honestly, you know what would have been awesome? Maybe some like Public Enemy. <laughs> uh, Fear of a Black Planet. <laughs> Why not Queen? Uh, fucking, uh, we will rock you. 
No, but to t- take away the song, the sequence itself, I'm like, when I'm watching it, and, and when I realized that the, this was one continuous shot, and a lot of it's stitched together in a computer and stuff like that. Yeah. I was so blown away by it. And I go, this sequence is far superior than anything I've seen in recent MCU movies. This, this is far superior than any kind of the action scenes I saw in Wakanda Forever or Spider Man. Yeah. I mean, it was such a beautiful way to shoot it. It's a hero, it's straight from comic books. You know, you got the images like kind of ripped from comic books. It's like, it was done so beautifully, and, it, and I, 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 you wish that other filmmakers know how to do that. And but also, also, it, it felt very video gamey in the best way possible. Yeah, like I, I, I said this about like the last John Wick movie, which, uh, but like the last John Wick movie, one of the things that I loved about it was that it, it felt like a video game, but it felt like it captured everything fun about a video game. Mm-hmm. So while watching John Wick for I was having fun, you know, the, the the type of fun I would have, you know, playing a game, but in a cinematic way. It was, I don't know, it was very, it was very, it was a more enjoyable experience than some of the other John Wick movies. And for this movie, you know, during that action sequence, it really felt uh, video gaming in a way that it it was, it was, and it's the most enjoyable action sequence I think in the whole kind of Guardians. Movies or yeah. I, I don't, I don't, franchise? And I, I think, don't know what to call these anymore. And I think what what's so what makes it so great is like James Gunn. He has he, he built it up because this is really the first time we see the team back together. Rocket Rocket, Rocket yeah. has his heart, you know, or you know, he's mending, you know, he has he's zapped back to to life again. They accomplished their mission. Yeah, basically. And it it, it was a perfect send off of this kind of teamwork. I thought it was really, really, really great. And I now let me ask you guys really quick, really quick. When the movie was ending, you watching this the first time. <laughs> you guys thought Starler died. You see his face all get all puffy, right? Yeah, I thought I thought he was gonna die. I thought oh. I thought I was like I thought I thought it was like this. This is not the end of the movie. <laughs> someone had, someone had to sacrifice their life, right? Mm. He died for the for the zune. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, no. I go, I go. I was not expecting uh, Adam Warlock to show up. <laughs> yeah, when I saw his face like getting really puffy, like 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 uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and and t- Total Recall, <laughs> you know. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna, like, oh shit! I'm like, man. It's like you should have worn your mask. <laughs> I'm like, I, no, but I'm like, man, people really hate this guy <laughs> because of his Christian oh, beliefs. Man, <laughs> man people, like people really hate this guy. They want to kill this guy off, and then and Adam Warlock, you know, at the last moment. I mean there's another great moment where it works right because yeah. that movie i mean that same move happened in <laughs> uh, rich's favorite movie the last jedi <laughs> where uh uh uh, uh carrie fisher floats <laughs> into space and then yeah. she she magically come you know using her powers she comes back it's almost the same moment but that comes Total off bullshit <laughs> that is still, that is still that scene gets richard angry but i mean it's a similar thing, but somehow James Gunn knows how to do these scenes correctly while feel while making it feel like complete garbage. He's able to control these emotions when you feel but it. But also that scene where when when we when he when he saves um when Adam Warlock saves Star Lord, mm-hmm. like 
you want it to happen, it's good, it's surprising, but it's also comedic. And I think that also kind of helps it. That yeah. kind of helps it in the um because if he if he had done it completely serious, then it would have been the Star Wars last year. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think I, th- I think you know I said this before when we got out of the theaters watching the movie. Like James Gunn understands this 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 material. He understands these things. He's doing his, you know Guardians Volume Three is not anything that different than some of the other MCU movies. So uh, some of the recent MCU movies that we got. It's just that they just totally fuck it up. And James Gunn is able to work with that same material or the same kind of beats, but do it in a way that it feels right and it feels emotional, invested, and you like the you know like what happens. Like a lot of the the third act kind of reminded me of what happened in Lo- uh, Love and Thunder. But when that happened in Love and Thunder, I go, what the hell is going on here? This doesn't make any sense. But it makes sense in Volume Three, and that's because of what James Gunn uh, oversees. You know, he's he's able to build certain layers and 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 it has you know again character arcs and um i you know i came off after watching volume three really really respecting the craftsmanship of what james gunn has did has done and you know you know i have problems like i had problems with his suicide squad uh adaptation or whatever remake or whatever you know the sequel i guess because I didn't like the third act, but with this movie and with Peacemaker, I think he has become a really great filmmaker or, or storyteller, and I think he's he has become one of the best Gen X filmmakers uh, right now. And what I mean by that, someone from Gen X uh, a generation doing what Gen X kind of are known for, kind of this Josh Whedon type, uh, you know, snarky kind of comic book stuff. But he's doing it a lot better. He's just doing it a lot better than anyone. Josh Whedon, you hear? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm, saying, I'm saying he's doing better than Josh Whedon. You know, like uh, Josh. I, I think at the end there, Josh with the, his Avenger movies, that Josh Whedon was really was sucking at the end. You know, like he, let's not bring Justice League into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, I think I think James Gunn kind of because uh, he comes from that same kind of generation, he, and all the references is there. And but he just there's something about his way he tells it that I think it just it's just it's head and shoulders above the rest. You know, before we go, we gotta close this episode down. But let me get your thoughts on James Gunn's next project, Superman Legacy. What is he gonna do with that movie? What, what where where does he go? Well, what is it? What's your feelings about that project? Well, this is the one that he. I mean, obviously he needed the. His last two films to be hits or whatever, critically praised. But this is the one that really is going to push him to the limit. I mean, this one has to has to be the best film he's ever done. I mean, this is this is the uh, launch yeah. of his career basically in DC. The relaunch of his career basically. I don't know if he can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, 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 you've been a big DC guy and. uh What's your thoughts on just James Gunn taking on Superman? Uh, it doesn't seem like a good fit for him. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, look, he, James Gunn has grown a lot as a filmmaker and he seems to be like kind of ex- expanding and learning more with each film. Mm-hmm. And he surprises me more and more with each project he takes on. This is the biggest challenge he's ever taken. This is the biggest departure. This is the biggest. Um, 
this is this is the least James Gunn thing he's ever taken on, and that's including Scooby Doo because the Scooby Doo movies actually you know represented pretty well, <laughs> but um. You know, his track record makes me believe in it. Mm -hmm. But again, this is such a departure Mm -hmm. that uh, I don't know, man, but I'm rooting for him. Yeah, but then again, who else? One thing that we that is um, that we should also remember, though, this ain't going to be any regular Superman. I mean, this is going to be a very different than, you know, because I think when a lot now that you know, because what Zack Snyder did was not that different from what the um, Richard Donner, Christopher Reeves version was. You know, it was it's basically that, but darker and more serious and more grounded. But James Gunn's James Gunn Superman, I think, is truly going to be something different. I mean, Crypto's going to be in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Zack Snyder made a Superman movie. He did not make a Clark Kent movie. Mm. This mm. one's going to be more Clark Kent, who is absolutely who, who just happens to be Superman. So that's an interesting take. Yeah, maybe. And also, Zack Snyder did a '90s comic book movie, you know, <laughs> where it's like all about the muscles and all about the looks and the, the style. And also, if you know, '90s comic books were more about the antihero and not that, not that like super, you know, in the Man of Steel. Not that he was like antihero, but it, he was more exploring that fine line between good and evil and stuff like that. I think uh, uh, Gunn is going to really explore the misfit part of Clark Kent. You know, someone who doesn't fit in in the world, or he's struggling to fit in the world. He's going to be much more of an outsider looking in, I guess. And uh, I, I don't know how young. You know, they say that there's going to be a young Superman. Is this like him first coming to uh, uh, the city, uh, um, um, Metropolis? Is this... he's, supposed, he's supposed to already be working at the Daily Planet. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, it'll be, I mean, look, it's going to be interesting. It's, 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 he's definitely going to be probably more uh, uh, interested in the kind of misfit or, or outcast aspect of Superman or, Car- or Clark Kent, I guess. Someone who's trying to fit in but can't because of his secret or something like that. It'd be interesting. I you well, know, has, it's, well hasn't like every version done that? I think it, it it has. I mean, I think some of the great things about Richard Donner's films is it's when Christopher Reeves plays Clark Kent. I think some of some of that stuff was terrific. So maybe he's going to go back to that. I see. For instance, when Brian Singer did his. Superman lives. He didn't really go into like the Clark Kent stuff that much. It was really just continuing this kind of mythology of Superman as this God hero. And I think Gunn is more kind of interested in the human part of, of Superman, uh, which, which I think we haven't really seen. We've seen that in like, say the, the TV series, Superman and Lois, where he's more of a, you know, a, a struggling parent and trying to, you know, balance, becoming this, you know, balancing of saving the world and also trying to parent his children. I think it's going to be more like that. Um, okay, well, let me, let me bring something up. Uh, when, back when James Gunn was, like, you know, doing Suicide Squad, or promoting Suicide Squad, 
he did mention in an interview that one of the movies that he considered doing was a crypto solo movie that was about <laughs> Superman chasing crypto th- throughout the whole city, and crypto was just going to be wrecking havoc, destroying the city, and Superman <laughs> would have to, you know, be you know, fixing things, following him, chasing him throughout the whole film. What if that's the movie we get? <laughs> then he's ru- he's just ruining his career. <laughs> he's just ruining every good thing that uh, uh, he has built to this point. <laughs> because I think that I mean that he's doing you know he, I think he's making a joke I mean maybe that's a, an idea that he had but I think that for that to be the first movie out of his stable of, of, of comic movies I think he just killed killed himself with that no I think but, that the, would vo- be a but the voice story. of crypto but the voice of crypto would be Michael Rooker or it'd be, it'd be Pete Davidson right <laughs> it'd be Nathan Fillion uh, Fillion uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, that, that, that's, that's it. We're, we're going too long here. Um, Heard. final words on guardians of the galaxy volume three, rich, go watch it. If you haven't go okay. watch it for a second and third time. Sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. Uh, Ray, what do you have to say? Last, last thing. Awesome. Marvel movie. I'm very happy, uh, to like a Marvel movie again. And I really hope that, um, uh, Kevin Feige and Marvel are able to kind of get things together. I don't expect every Marvel movie moving forward to be great. It would be nice to every now and then get a nice one like this again. All right. There you go. Thank you for listening this long to Inside Flicks. It's, it's, it's a long episode, but, you know, uh, we had fun talking about Guardians and James Gunn. All right. We got to go, everybody. Thank you for listening. All right. Bye-bye, everyone.